This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Good evening. We're glad to see you here on a Wednesday. If you're watching by live stream, we're glad to have you. Bless all of you. Got your Bible with you. Go to Proverbs 13. We're going to receive our tithes and offerings. I'm glad to see you here tonight. I believe God's going to speak to your heart through the Word. And as you're turning to Proverbs 13, let me give you a couple announcements. You can still register for the ladies' retreat. Also, a week from tonight, we're having a family night worship again. Uh, Saturday morning at 9 o'clock, the men's breakfast. Ernest is back there in the back. If you desire to come to the men's breakfast, you can see him. So be sure and check the things that are going on for the upcoming weeks and months. And again, if you're desiring one to be water baptized, we're going to give them that opportunity here real quick too. All right, Proverbs 13, verse number 7. There is one who makes himself rich. There is one who pretends to be rich or wants to have a showy life. Yet he has nothing. Now, when it says this, one of the translations says that he's dead broke up to their eyeballs in debt. Interesting statement. And there is one who makes himself poor. One who doesn't want to make himself look impressive. Yet he has great riches. And so when I look at this right here, the the one that has great riches is the one who leads a plain and simple life. He's a good steward of his his, his money. Now, when I begin to look at this, I begin to think on this right here. You have two different types of people. And one, his identity wants to be in what he has or his money. But the one who has so much, he's the one who says, money's not my identity. Wealth's not my identity. It's just a a tool that I have. But it's not my identity. Jesus is my identity. And so I think about this there in 1 Timothy. The apostle Paul said, the love of money is the root of all evil. Money's not the root of all evil, okay? The love of money is the root of all evils. So I get this right here that even though I may not have much, I can still be overcome by that thing called the love of money. And that becomes my desire where I think, man, if I just had more money, don't fall into that trap, okay? Look to God. Be a good steward with what you got, okay? Let's pray. Father God, we love you tonight. We honor you tonight. Lord, we thank you for blessing us with everything you've blessed us with and grace us to be good stewards. But Lord, again, just, just through who your son is, the Lord and Savior Jesus, that becomes our identity. And we thank you for your, your son in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about faith here again tonight. Just to Mary is that I believe, again, the Lord is wanting to really inject this in, especially for the times we're living in, the upcoming weeks, not next week, but the upcoming weeks. Man, the Lord just keeps showing me areas of faith on this. If you got your Bible, turn with me to the book of Romans chapter 1. We're going to begin in Romans 1, and then we'll go back into the Old Testament to 1 Samuel 30. Romans chapter 1, now as you're turning there, I made this comment a week ago that John 10.10 says, the thief, which is the devil, 
His, his goal, his mission statement is to kill, steal, and destroy. That's his desire. His desire is to wreak havoc upon our lives. So one of the things he said his desire is to steal. The, the devil is into stealing, but when I think about what the devil is, the devil's not trying to steal your purse or your wallet. He's not into stealing your car or your home. He's into the things that have to do with the kingdom of God. He's, he's into the things that he can steal that has to do with our eternity. And one of those things that he's after is a thing called our faith. And I believe with all my heart that he knows that if he can sever your or mine connection to God through faith, he's got you. You know how I know that? Because in Hebrews eleven six 6, it says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. So the devil knows that. So we're, we're admonished here in Romans chapter 1, verse 1 by the apostle Paul. Romans 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For I am not ashamed of the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, when I was reading that other, earlier today, I had this thought. I don't ever have to apologize for Jesus, okay? Don't, don't ever apologize for who Jesus is to you. I'm, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm, I'm not ashamed to say I, I live under the blood of Jesus, the name of Jesus. I'm not ashamed of the word of God is what this is talking about. For it, the, the good news, the life-changing power of the gospel is the power of God to salvation for who? For everyone who believes. For everyone who has faith is what this is talking about. For the Jew first and also for the Greek or the Gentile. So he's saying, man, Jesus is for everybody. Verse 17. For in it, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. So we receive eternal life by faith, but we keep on living by the power of faith and the acts of faith. It never ends. The, the way I get born again is by faith, but I go through life where I just got to continually believe God. I believe his word. And so he said, in ending, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. And so I get to a place in my life where I got to continue to study the Word. Study the Word. Get in the Word. Read the Word. Welcome the Word. Receive the Word. And remember, faith only comes by hearing. So get into the Word. Begin to hear. Begin Because he, he, he charges us here. The just shall live by faith. Now, turn with me back into the Old Testament to the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 30. So without faith, you can't be born again. And again, the apostle Paul says there, we are to go from faith to faith, faith to faith, faith to faith. And what I found out that without this thing called faith, I, 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 can, I can be mechanical. I can be very rigid, uh, religious. I can go through the motions but what I found out with that in my life, when I live that way, there's, there's no demotion or devotion with the Lord. 
There's no love for the Lord. There's no drawing near to the Lord. It's, it's just an act. I just go through the motions. I don't know about you. I don't, I don't want to go to church and just go through the motions. Man, I, I want my faith to be alive. And so one of the reasons I read a lot of these Old Testament, these passages of Scripture, one is there to encourage us to understand. These men and women of the Old Testament, they, they were people of faith. But I want it to stir you up on the inside where you get to a place and say, you know what? I'm going to believe God like those guys did. So we're going here to 1 Samuel chapter 30. And this is a passage about a guy named David, King David. Or at this time in his life, he's been anointed to be the next king. Now, if you study scriptures, he loved the king that was before him, King Saul. He was his armor bearer. But Saul became very jealous of David. And so at this time in David's life, you know what David's doing? He is literally running for his life. Saul wants to, to, to physically kill him. And so David's life is so bad. And think about this. This is the anointed king. How can the anointed king's life be so bad? Well, we're going to read this. But his life is so bad that he goes to live among the Philistines. Now, if you think about the Philistines, this was Goliath's relatives. This would be the, the arch enemy or rival of the Jews of David, but yet his life is so bad he goes to live among them. And they give him a, a city called Ziklag. Now, if you were to study the map in Israel, Ziklag is in the way south part of Israel. Uh, if you know where the city of Gaza is, Gaza's on the, the sea of, uh, or the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, Ziklag wasn't far from there. So this area was a really, really dry area. So dry that there's a lot of palm trees, but it has a bunch of hills. And so the, the area is, is, is fit for battle. It's fit for war. This is what goes on there. So David's life is so bad. He wants to go to war even with the Philistines and they reject him. So we pick up 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 1. And you'll see why faith is so important, because you're going to be in the storms of life. So it says, Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Malachites had invaded the south and Ziklag, and they attacked Ziklag, and then they burned it with fire. So David and his men, they're on a three-day little raiding. They're going from place to place and trying to, to find food, anything they can. And so they're on their way home after three days. And I'm sure they're having this thought, man, I, I could use a, a, a shower. I could use a, a great meal. I could use my comfortable bed. And so as they're going across this real dry area and they're going across these hills, one of them says, that looks like smoke. And another one says, and that smells like smoke. Verse 2, and they had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but they carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire. Their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. And so these Amalekites go in, and they, they loot everything that he had. 
Now, as I begin to read this, I begin to think, let's put ourselves in the story. And what would be going through your mind as you begin to see that everything in your city is burned to the ground, wiped out? Your house is now gone. Everything that had any form of value in your life is gone. And then your wife and your children have all been taken. Now, I can stand before you today and say, I've had bad hair days before, but I've never had a day like that. I've never had a day where everything I have is completely wiped out. So we highlight this because now David is in a storm of life, a crazy storm of life. And I'm thinking, okay, what do I do in this time? Verse 4, then David and the people who were with him They lifted up their voices and they wept until they had no more power to weep. Now they cried so hard that they didn't have any more tears to come out. They were devastated. Now get a picture of this and I want you to highlight something here for you. These men that are crying like this, these guys weren't a bunch of sissies, okay? These these guys weren't a bunch of pansies. These guys were notorious. They were bad to the bone. They'd cut your head off. And so they are so devastated. They're so broken. So as I read this and I begin to think of this, what do I do on a day like this in my life? Do do I give up? Do I quit? Do, Do I fall into depression? Do I go on a week-long drunk? How about this? Do I get so mad that I blame God? And, And these are tendencies that we have as human beings. Verse five. And David's two wives, Ahinonom the Jezreelitess and Abigail the widow of Nabal the Carmelite had been taken captive. So I look at this and I have this thought. Could life get any worse than this? Could any more trouble come? And we get to a place like this when faith in a never-changing God is all you got. Let me say that again. When you come to a place in your life where faith in a never-changing God is all you got. And I say that That's not a negative. That's a good thing. Verse 6. Now David was greatly distressed. He was brokenhearted. He was grieved to the point of exhaustion. For the people spoke of stoning him. And here this guy is devastated by everything happening. And it says the people were were contemplating stoning him. And and the people that he's talking about here are his men that at one time were a bunch of nobodies and a bunch of rejects that he had been incredibly good to. 
And when I begin to look at this, oftentimes when people start hurting, their solution is, let's blame someone. So his men act like he's not hurting. His men are acting like he didn't lose anything. They're acting like he doesn't understand pain. So it's his fault. And I think about these guys. Man, their memory is short. They forget really how good that he had been to them. And they were fickle and their loyalty just immediately dissipated. And to me, it was a sign of their dysfunction again that, that they would, would look at a guy who had loved them. You can go back and study. These guys were rejects. And he loved them enough to tell them the truth. And so at this point here, they turn on him in their pain, their agony with threats of assassination. The bottom had fallen out on their life also. And so we go on reading in verse 6, and it says, Because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. We're back in the story. I want you to think about this. What would your reaction be on the worst day of your life? And when I read this, David strengthened himself in the Lord. His one recourse was, I've got to get back to God. I've got to good back to the Lord. He didn't pout here. He didn't say how life was unfair. It said, David strengthened himself in the Lord. Now that statement there, David strengthened himself in the Lord, takes us to Joshua 1.9, and it specifically says, you got to be strong and of good courage. You got to be strong and of good courage. And so when, when David strengthened himself in the Lord, this is what I be, believe he began to do. He began to remind himself of how faithful God was. And he went back in history, and I, I, I believe that he began to think, man, when I was a young boy, I saw the faithfulness of God. And I remember when I was a teenager and I was a shepherd. And God's faithfulness with the lions and the tigers and the bears, who cares? I mean, he became a warrior. And then he reminded himself, man, I, I remember when all the odds makers in Vegas gave it a million to one odds that anybody could whip Goliath, and I saw God. And I believe that was his strength in himself in the Lord where he reminded himself, God is faithful. God is faithful. Verse 7. Then David said to Abathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abathar brought the, the ephod to David. Now the ephod was like a robe. It was like a garment. And any time that David would seek God, he would put that ephod on. So when, when Abathar knew what was going on, he knew, man, when... When David calls on Job, we're getting out the, the weapons. But when he calls on Abathar, he's going to seek God. 
He's going to seek God. He's going to take time to get into the presence of God. On the worst day of his life, he doesn't jump the gun. He doesn't do anything hastily. He says, I'm going to seek God. I got to get in the presence of God. I got to hear what my father's got to say. Many of you will remember this passage in Luke 10, verses 38 through 42. There were two, two women, sisters, Mary and Martha. Martha got so caught up in serving. She was busy, busy, busy. But Mary, it said, she sat at the feet of Jesus and heard the word. And Jesus said to her, Mary's found the good part. Something happens even in the storm's life, even in the worst day of my life, when I get in the presence of the Lord. And it was like this with King David, I believe. I'm, I'm not doing anything. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not doing nothing until I hear the voice of my father. Verse 8. Then David said to Abathar the priest, Ahimelech, son, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abithar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? Now he asked these two questions. And when I read the two questions, I think everything in the natural with me, I'm not going to ask God. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to round up my toughest friends and I'm going to say, we're going after them. We're going after them. But David wouldn't shoot from the hip. David wouldn't do what everybody would think. Well, this is natural. You ought to do that. Go after your wife. Go after your kids. But he wouldn't do anything. And he inquired of the Lord, and the Lord answered him and said, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. So when David hears this, guess what I believe happens? Something on the inside resurrects within him. And I believe his faith got up and he knew when my God says pursue and overtake and recover all, we're going now. Again, he wouldn't jump the gun. Verse 9. So David went, he and his 600 men who were with him, and they came to the brook Besor, where those stayed who were left behind. And I got to tell you a little bit what takes place here and paraphrase for time issue. They come across an Egyptian that had been with these Amalekites. And he verifies that it was the Amalekites who had raided Ziklag. And so David makes the deal with him and says, you take me to where they're at and I'll let you live. So he takes them to where they're at. Now again, you're in the story. We're in this story. Can you, can you imagine the energy within him? Can you imagine the adrenaline within him? Man, I got a word from God. So we pick up here, verse 16. And when he, the Egyptian, had brought him down, there they were spread out over all the land. 
eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil which they had taken from the lands of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. And so I, I, I picture this, that David's watching over this hill down in this valley, and he sees these all Amalekites, and guess what they're doing? They're partying at David's expense. And David's watching this, and I believe because he had that word from God, pursue, overtake, and recover, he's now got the eye of the tiger. And it's like he's thinking, you messed with the wrong God's kid. You messed up. I want to highlight something here. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, okay? So the same irritation he had toward those Amalekites, this is the way we view the devil when he tries to rip us off. We, had, we ought to have a righteous indignation within us because our Lord and Savior said, for this reason he came to earth to destroy the works of darkness. The Lord says, don't put up with it. Take it back. So he's watching all this. Verse 17. Then David attacked them from twilight until the evening of the next day. That's a long time, guys. They didn't have fully automatic assault rifles. Almost 24 hours he goes at them. Not a man of them escaped except for 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. So David recovered all that the Malachites had carried away and David rescued his two wives and David learned that the God he serves, he recovers stolen property. The things the devil tries to rip off of us. And so I read this right here and I think, is there a time in my life, the critical point by faith, I got to get up. I got I to get up. I, I got to quit feeling sorry for myself. And remember, David changed his focus. And when he changed his refocus, he recovered his faith. And part of that is, man, when I get around God, God's bigger than all my problems. God moves within me where there becomes something on the inside of me that says, Man, I'm getting back up. I'm getting back up. And you know, in the New Testament, it says, you're called to fight the good fight of faith. It's a fight. But here's the good news. We win because we serve a God who recovers stolen property. Now turn with me to end tonight in the book of 1 John chapter 5. First John, way, way back there in the back. Almost, I mean, you get to Revelation, you've gone too far. First John chapter 5, you'll go to James, the Peters, and then First John. And as you're turning there tonight, I, I want to highlight something to you. Make God bigger than your problems, okay? Our God is called the, the great Jehovah. He's the great Jehovah. And four times in the Bible in the New Testament, it says we're told to live by faith. So 1 John chapter 5, verse 1. Whoever believes, that's faith. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. That's simple. 
You believe in Jesus, you get born again. You believe Jesus is the Son of God. You get born again. That's the beginning point. And everyone who loves him, who begot also loves him, who is begotten from him. So better stated, we become the family of God. By this, by what? We know that we love the children of God when we love God and we keep his commandments. Now, he just told us that, yeah, you get born again, but the proof that you really love God is the way you obey God, that you obey his commandments. Verse 3, for this is the love or the true love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome or troublesome. That's the truth of the word of God. The word of God's not troublesome. Verse 4. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Now let me ask you something. Are you born of God? I am. I'm born again. If you've confessed Jesus and asked him to come, you're born of God. And what did he say? If you're born of God, you've overcome the world. Now look how he ends verse 4, and this is powerful, powerful, powerful. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Our faith in Jesus, our faith in what Jesus did for us. And so I don't ever have to underestimate the grace of God. God still moves. And so people of faith, we, we dare to believe God on the worst day of our life. And so I don't know what you're going through right now. But learn from 1 Samuel 30. That, man, I've got to get back up on the inside. And what happens a lot of times in life when everything gets bad you're going to turn to something or you're going to turn to someone. And oftentimes, the first thing we do, we get on social media. Facebook is not a chapter in the Bible, okay? And then if that doesn't work, we find a 1-800 number. And if that doesn't work, we write to Dear Abby. And if that doesn't work, man, we go to conference to conference to conference and we tell people, i got to have a word from God. Give me a word from God. But the truth of the reality is, if you're born again, you've overcome the world. You start looking to Jesus and you call out to Jesus and you believe God and you trust God over and over and over and over. And I remember times in my life where, man, it was just really, really tough days. And some of you can remember these days. Man, I remember as a young man learning to walk by faith and everything. And I, I needed a job. I needed a good job. I didn't have a good job. And we had believed for this job at, at this utility company. And, man, and when they started out, there was 300 of us for one position. And they narrowed it down to five, and I made the cut. And they narrowed it down to two, and I made the cut. And I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And I went home that evening, and I looked at Shelly, and she said, so what happened? And I said, I didn't get it. They gave it to the other guy. 
I wanted to faint. I wanted to quit. I wanted to go pull the covers up. And I remember this clearly as I can be. And you can tell Shelly this today. She'll probably be mad for me telling her, today's her birthday. But I remember she looked at me and she said, you know what that means? And I said, what? And she said, God's got something better. God's got something better. And so I'll never forget at the age of 25, grabbing hands right there. And we said, Father God, we trust you. I can't figure everything out in my mind what's going on. But I trust you that you're going to lead us and guide us. And, and something happened. It was like we were getting back up on the inside. What happened? Nothing the next day. Nothing happened the next week. Nothing happened for two weeks. And then after the second week, the phone rang. And the guy who told me I didn't get the job, he said, will you come back down here? And I walked back down here and he said, I couldn't tell you this two weeks ago. But he said, I have a better job and a better position for you. And I looked and I thought, ooh, our God recovers property that we think we lost. Hang in there, okay? Stay with God. Even if it's a day, even if it's weeks. What if it's 13 years? What if it's 40 years? And I pray that doesn't happen to you. But what if it is? I'm going to serve God. I'm going to trust God. So stand up here with me these last few minutes. And I, I want to pray over you tonight that God, he, he revives your faith. He stirs back up with you and you a kingdom faith. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to trust God. You guys are a quiet bunch. You're looking at me like I'm crazy. I am a little crazy for Jesus. Would you bow your head right now? And I'm going to ask you to do something. Father God, you know in your house the, the condition of every person in here, what's going on on the inside. And Lord, right now, ones that are having maybe a tough day, a tough week, tough month, Father God, many in this room would say 2020 has been the year of many, of many difficulties, of many letdowns, of many heartbreaks. But Father God, 2020 is not over. And I believe you're still the God of many, of many blessings, of many breakthroughs, of many victories. And so if you're in here tonight and you say, Pastor, I need God to come on the inside of me and revive my faith and stir up my faith. And when I leave here tonight, there's something on the inside that's come back alive in me. Just raise your hands to heaven, okay? Father God, you see hands going up all in here right now. Lord, I ask you to bless every man, woman, child in here. Like Revive, Father God. Stir back up your strength within us, Lord. And if ones have contemplated quitting, Giving up, throwing up the white flag of surrender, Lord. Woo, we say in Jesus' name right now, bless you. The things that God erupt within you, stir up within you. And Father God, a place where these next couple days, we stay at the feet of Jesus and hear your word. And Lord, we give you glory and honor. Bless now everyone under my voice in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.